Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Today is part four about the metaverse. Metaverse explained for real estate agents. And today is part four. If you have not yet listened to the first three parts, they are getting a lot of listens on iTunes and Stitcher and all the other other great uh, podcast listening widgets. So make sure you listen to the first three parts. We had originally planned for this to be part four, but guess what happened? And there's going to be a part four and a part four, five, I believe. Yes, because there was a whole mad rush of media that came out about the <laughs> metaverse. Almost like, now I'm not claiming this, but it is almost, it is kind of funny to me. Julie and I came up with this topic and started talking about it. And now everyone and their brother's sister is talking about it, right? CNBC, yes. Bloomberg, <laughs> it's all over, you know, in minutes, it's going to be all over everywhere. Everyone's talking about this. And so what Julie and I were able to do is we have uh, created a part five for you, which will be tomorrow, uh, where we actually start to have more fun with all the, you know, frankly, strange, bizarre things that are happening as a result of the metaverse, some of which, well, hell, I would say most of which will make you laugh. Yes. Well, and here we were thinking we were going out on a limb, and now, of course, there's all kinds of reporting on it. So we'll try and take the most interesting bullet points and get your minds working, as ours are as well. And keep in mind that, you know, as your podcast hosts, our job is to educate, motivate, and get you into action. And a lot of this right here is getting you to think bigger, to take the metaverse more seriously, just as we had to convince ourselves to do. And this is the education piece. So we'll be making some analogies. We'll be trying to cross some bridges, tying thoughts together. And then as Tim always says, these are early days on this, and this will be an evolution. But what we want you to do is take it seriously, learn about it, put it on your radar, because it does seem like it is becoming, quote, real. Here should be your only goal. Frankly, it's Julie and I's only goal. And if longtime podcast listeners... We'll hear in our voices, not the normal high level of confidence as we share some of this <laughs> stuff with you guys, yeah. because what we're intentionally doing is we're trying to prevent the inner skeptics within ourselves of just writing all this off as BS. And, That's right. And it's a struggle, and it's always going to be a struggle, and we're probably – our inner skeptics are uh, – is there's a good reason to feel that way, but at the same time, Julie and I can tell you when we look back, I remember when a, it was, a guy was working for me, named, his name was Chris Johnson. And he was telling me about this amazing new platform called Twitter. And he tried to explain it to me. And I told him to use slow that. words, right? <laughs> and I still didn't yeah. understand. He set up the Twitter account for me and, and off we went. But I also remember when the internet came around and people trying to explain the internet. And, you know, it was not easy to explain because, frankly, there was no way of easily explaining it because it was too obtuse. Yes. Well, this actually – um, is easier to explain because now we have a bunch of reference points, That's right? That's right. I remember finding out that the next iPhone wasn't going to have any buttons on it. Like, <laughs> what? How does that work? How, I, how will I survive? What does that mean, haptic? <laughs> I know. And yet here we are. So, yes, we will go through this adventure together. And I would say overall we're being cautiously optimistic about this. So don't be the old fart that is uh, essentially hearing about all this and just automatically thinking that you have some crystal ball that's going to read into the uh, future about this being this or that and the other. Uh, no doubt there's going to be different iterations and gyrations in this technology as it evolves. And no doubt there will be a lot of things that happen that are, you know, just truly bizarre. But that's okay because cl it's clear that the direction of 
the utilization of essentially all the online, and again, using an old term, but using all the, uh, all the different gyrations and utilizations of uh, online whatever is all going to be merged in the metaverse. It only makes sense from an evolutionary perspective. Um, and as you go through these examples, and today we're talking about how you, yes, you can make money selling, guess what, real estate, there's air quotes around real estate, mm -hmm. in the metaverse. And uh, so we're going to get to point number eight, Julie. Yes. And again, this is part number four. So get caught up because we are starting with point number eight. And here's a question for you. Can you own a part of the metaverse as in similar to real estate? Well, the answer is yes. In fact, virtual metaverse based, quote, land is selling now. Remember, these are the early days, and we did some research on this. First, we're going to tell you a real quick story, just to frame this a little bit. Gambling on virtual land in a virtual world could leave you with virtually nothing. Please remember the legend about the man who was selling the Brooklyn Bridge. Legend claimed that he sold it at least twice a week. He did sell it several times, including at least once for $50,000. And the new owner would discover he was the victim of a con when New York police officers would stop the, quote, new owners from setting up toll booths in the middle of the bridge. That said, people are indeed using real money to buy land in the metaverse. And after the dust settles, there will be real transactions happening with real money being transferred for virtual land in which to build virtual buildings. And in fact... Before we sound too speculative, this is actually happening. This is from CNBC Today, who reports, sales of real estate in the metaverse topped $500 million last year and could double this year, according to investors and analytics firms. Real estate sales on the four major metaverse platforms reached $501 million in 2021, according to Metametric Solutions. Sales in January topped $85 million, the Metaverse data provider said. It projects that at this pace, sales could reach nearly $1 billion this year. So going on, Republic Realm paid a record $4.3 million for land in the largest Metaverse real estate platform called Sandbox. The company is developing 100, quote, islands, of course they're called fantasy islands, with their own villas and related market of boats and jet skis. Remember, this is all in the metaverse. 90 of the islands sold in the first day for $15,000 each, and some are now listed for resale for more than 100000 So just doing some quick math on that, um, and I uh, confirm my math. It's pretty easy to do in your head. If they are developing 100 islands and they're fifteen grand each, it's $1.5 And if they paid $4.3 million for this land in the largest metaverse, I would say so far that's not really working out. Probably not. Until you get to this next little blip that, as Julie just said, each – or go ahead, 90, uh, 90 of the islands sold in the first day for 15000 each, and some are now listed for resale for more 100000 mm -hmm. each. Now, that's not to say they're going to sell for 100000 but that gives you an indication of the type of froth that's starting to build up around this. And, again, we want to reiterate, there will be no doubt a lot of people that are overly speculative and lose money because this stuff is so early days. And as Julie and I said yesterday, or maybe it was the day before, most likely these big, and Julie's about to tell you about the big four metaverses, they won't be the big four metaverses inside 12 or 24 months because the monsters of the Internet – Facebook, Google, you know, they have Apple. Apple's going to be the big one, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Probably. They have yet to even mention, other than Meta, uh, <laughs> a.k.a. Facebook, that they're getting into the metaverse. But, of course, they are all will. And when they do, how can these other technologies compete? Most likely they won't, but we'll have to see. Yes, and for your already bleeding real estate brains, figure this out. For investors, as some of you are, the big question is how to assign value and risk 
to an asset whose scarcity is artificial and whose future is a blank slate. My appraisal-based brain blew a gasket yes, Julie, on that one. <laughs> Let's read that again. For investors, the big question is how to assign value and risk to an asset whose scarcity is artificial and whose future his future is a blank slate. So I remember from real estate school mm-hmm. that there's three, arguably four, different uh, yes. methods of, of uh, appraisal. Uh-huh. Yep. And I'm pretty sure that that was not one of them. I'm pretty sure you're right about that. <laughs> Go ahead. Yes. So over a dozen platforms are now selling, quote, real estate in the metaverse with new ones sprouting up almost weekly. So far, real estate sales have been concentrated on what they're calling the big four, which is Sandbox, Decentraland, Crypto, Voxels, and Somnium. There are a total of 268,645 parcels on floor four platforms, all of varying sizes. So yeah, put that into your uh, comparative market analysis brain and stir it up a bit. Well, so one might ask, does location matter? Well, a rush of companies, major brands, and investors are pouring into the new land craze, hoping to get in on the ground floor of the next digital Manhattan or Monaco. The person they interviewed named Yorio said that land value in the metaverse will be determined by what owners do with a property. Now that kind of makes sense, right? Like designing a popular attraction, a museum, or a feature, rather than location. And then she went on to say, you can teleport anywhere, so location isn't as important. So all of that is a big confused jumble to me because, of course, location is important. But do you understand what she's saying? I do. And it it is confusing to even be calling this land. So that's crossing a little bit of a bridge. But yes, what you do with the space that you've purchased is going to theoretically give it value. I think that's what you're driving at. Well, what she's so there's the next little snippet that you're about to read. I'll read it. Yet other investors say that just like in the real world, location in the metaverse is everything when it comes to real estate. Prices for parcels near... Oh boy. Snoop Dogg's planned partnership and virtual world and sandbox are fetching a premium along with parcels near Atari develop the Atari development. So there's two, I mean, again, you guys get the gist of it. We don't need to reread that, but here's where my uh, 51 year old brain is taking me. They don't know what's going to, yeah. how it's going to sort out the teleport thing. Um, Julie and I researched that. And the gist of it is, is that when you're, and you can do this in Verbella EXP's world mm-hmm. too. When you pop into EXP world on Verbella, had I not had uh, you know three years of playing around with Rebella, I wouldn't have understood. Sure. But your avatar, you can just click a pull down, and your avatar will, uh, with just a couple of clicks, will take you wherever you want to go uh, inside uh, EXP's metaverse, which is called Rebella, aka EXP World. Well, what they're suggesting is obviously these metaverses will be able to do the same thing. And I also have read, and Julie has as well at this point, that there's going to be technology that's going to allow you to go from uh, one metaverse to any of the other metaverses. So that means you'll have one avatar that will be able to bounce to different locations. Yes. Yeah, you know what I just had the slot of? What? Somebody's listening to you and I for the first time. <laughs> Souls. <laughs> and, and right, and they're maybe heard how uh, tactical and practical our podcasts and our books and our coaching program is. Yeah, most and, of the time, and this is their first exposure to <laughs> no. us. Yeah. Well, I mean, bear with us. This catch is, up on past episodes. Catch up on past episodes. <laughs> right. Point yes. number nine. Okay. Point number nine, or a question going on in your mind: Can I personally broker metaverse land or buildings in the metaverse? Believe it or not, yes, you can. And in fact, the largest land purchases in the metaverse are in the millions, with the largest sale closing at about $4.3 million in the sandbox by Atari on December 8th, 2021, which I think is is kind of ironic being that it's Atari when we're talking about crossing over from like, you know, Web 1.0 on up. Yeah, but the mistake we might be making <clears throat> is assuming it's the same Atari. It's the same Atari. Can I think check? it is, but I have to check. Okay. 
Yes, note to self, still investigating. Mm -hmm. All right, so Metaverse... like yesterday's yeah. Tesla suit, not owned by not the owned company. by Tesla right. cars. That's true. Metaverse Property is the first virtual real estate company. The virtual real estate group facilitates the acquisitions virtual land to new investors and supporters of the crypto, blockchain, and Web 3.0. Do you know, Tim? Is it is the only way to purchase using uh, crypto? currently in metaverse? Well, so purchasing with crypto, yes. But also you have to think when someone says they're purchasing something with crypto, mm-hmm. what are they really purchasing with? They're taking their crypto in most cases and they're selling it for dollars and then they're using those dollars. This is in the real world, it's like right? like currency conversion basically, That's right? That's what they're doing. They're, yeah. But really the way you and I have come to think of crypto, because where we live in Dorado, Puerto Rico, there's billions of crypto people, right? Yeah. Uh, well, how we've come to think of it is crypto is just as a collectible, right? Mm-hmm. So a, a collect, uh, it's, it's like owning a, a collectible, whatever you can imagine. Some sort of asset, so to speak. Well, I'll call it an asset, but that's really what it is. And yeah. so the uh, value of that thing isn't in that it can buy other things. The value in that thing is when somebody else feels that it's worth more than what you paid for it and is willing to pay you something sure. that would amount to a profit. Like my Christopher Radke ornaments, maybe. Well, I or, guess. Or choose your, you know, but collectible. But that's the way to ex- explain yeah. it. I mean, people, invest, you know, uh, they collect Nike tennis shoes or they collect mm-hmm. pens or just all kinds of things. So the way to really understand crypto for those of, in vast majority of you, 95% have no way of understanding it. Just remember that. Crypto, you can remove the word currency. Think of it as a collectible item like you're going to go and you like for now that's basically how it's operating because it's not really truly a currency and that you can't go out like try to pay your electric bill with crypto right Mm -hmm. try to go to um you know virtually anywhere and buy anything with crypto you can't so in its present form as it in its present you know utilization it's being you it is essentially a collectible and some people have described it as a ponzi scheme we don't i don't have an opinion julie doesn't have an Mm -hmm. opinion on that but it is predicated, the value is predicated on someone buying it from you who believes that the value will be greater tomorrow. In other words, it is dependent on somebody seeing a, additional value on it, unlike, say, for example, currency, which you can exchange for eggs or your electric bill. Which everybody to, pretty much agrees on the value of. Internationally, yes. right. So there's some differences there. Well, there's a company called Superworld, which is a competitor to Metaverse Property. And Superworld allows uh, users to invest in a stake in the company when investing on digital land and share in platform revenue. Now, I know we have some mortgage people listening and their brains are going off right now. And here is someone who has got financing. Now, the, the transaction was only $30,000, but it did happen. They got a mortgage. Yes. I And I said, is this the beginning of meta mortgages? That's something to watch. So from- That's actually a really good name. I know. We should someone should totally take a good note that. Note to self. So we're not going to register. Whoever <laughs> listens to this first, go register meta mortgages. You're welcome. That, you're welcome. <laughs> go ahead. Okay. From uh, biznow.com. Uh, They wrote, in what's being touted as a first-of-its-kind transaction, a venture capital firm has taken out a mortgage to occupy space within the metaverse. Canadian technology firm called TerraZero, which was founded last year to capitalize on burgeoning demand for the virtual community concept, offered financing for the approximately $30,000 deal. The undisclosed borrower acquired two parcels in Decentraland, one of about 10 major community platforms within the metaverse, where each digital parcel runs about 15000 Terra Zero CEO Dan Reitzik told BizNow. Quote, the price of land, even though it's virtual, is increasing rapidly and soon will not be available at a reasonable price, Reitzik said. We want to bridge the gap between the real world and the metaverse. So I think that's kind of interesting to watch and try and wrap our brains around. Well, I'm at least they're it. calling it virtual land. 
that I, makes it a little bit more clear. But but here's the fascinating part. <laughs> it was a $30,000 loan, which is not a nothing, but it's also not a huge amount of money. I'm just wondering what was the collateral for the $30,000 loan? Right. You know, how did they collateralize it? Was it was well, Bitcoin. What can know. they, right, I bet you it was. Probably. So what can they take back? Yeah, well, how do you foreclose on a meta mortgage? I, I would be willing to bet you it's what you said. It's, yeah, exactly. How can you? You know what? That's actually a really good point. They're calling it a mortgage. Maybe they tr they're treating it like a mortgage, but what's the legal precedent behind foreclosing on a virtual piece of land in a virtual I don't universe? know, but probably you should go to one of these metaverses, find the attorney building, and ask them. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure there's probably attorneys all over I, this. It, right now, exactly. We'll have to friend our, ask our friend Keith. He's probably thinking about that. Okay. Point number 10, or question number 10, will people really work or make a living in the metaverse? Well, they already are. So, for example, Walmart appears to be venturing into the metaverse with plans to create its own cryptocurrency and collection of NFTs. Stop right there. Yes. Biggest retailer in the world. Yep. Uh, they're coming out with their own cryptocurrency, mm -hmm. so call it Walmart Bucks or whatever it's going to be, Yep. and their collection of NFTs. Right there, that could... That, that could be a game changer. By itself could mm -hmm. be a game changer. Yes. Well, the big box retailer filed several new trademarks last month that indicate its intent to make and sell virtual goods. In a separate filing, Walmart said it would offer users virtual currency as well as non-fungible tokens or NFTs. We also are seeing virtual real estate brokers, virtual architects to develop the virtual property. Yesterday, we talked about uh, virtual um, kind of moral police that probably will be an entity. Don't you essentially, I don't have a problem with calling it property, but don't you have a problem with calling it land? Yes. I mean, land means something, land, right? You can touch land, you can farm land, right. you can, yes. Right. So It does so seem odd to me. We should make sure when we're talking about this going forward. That we always that, say virtual, right? That we say virtual property, and we even if... Uh, you know, we're quoting somebody, mm -hmm. we always, you know, earmark it as being property, not land, right? We don't yes, want virtual. to. We don't want to confuse people. And I think some, frankly, some of these people that we've been quoting so far, even though they're from mm -hmm. credible sources, uh, are in the business of selling the dream. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe purposely using that kind of language. And they're trying to obscure it. They're, well, us they're using common uh, words to help people that don't understand it, which is all of us, right. uh, to understand it. But they're also, in doing so, implying that these uh, uh, assets have inherent value that they don't. Right. And, of course, we are in the middle of a real estate boom, so it kind of makes sense that they would use terms like this, trying to get people to maybe understand it, but also we have to watch that they're not maybe spinning it in such a way that's confusing. This is where your inner skeptic can actually save your bacon, truthfully. I it, agree with that. It's like when uh, crypto, or Bitcoin in particular, yeah, every time you see a visual, uh, you know, picture uh, uh, of Bitcoin, it's always as a gold coin. Right. And yet the Bitcoin people like to bash gold as being a store of value. And yes. yet they use yet that's the, the visualization of gold. Right, right. Because they're trying to make you understand what it is. But it's good. It's just marketing at the end of the day. Sure. And no, so all of these people selling all of this quote unquote technology, they have to get other people to believe in what they're trying to sell. And they're going to use words to sort of obfuscate, right, mm -hmm. of what it is that they're actually selling. Because you'll go, you will, as soon as you click on the word or hit on the word land, okay, I got it. Sure. You know, and that, yeah. and you guys got to be careful of that. And as you sort of, you know, start seeing all this stuff evolve, see which company does the best job of really disclosing what it is that people are buying. And if, uh, if you're looking for a shortcut, here it is. 
highly speculative collectibles. That's all this is going to be. Mm-hmm. Just like crypto is. Just like, um, you know, essentially all this land in these metaverses. Highly speculative collectibles. That's the best way to think of it. And and, and inher- it's virtual. Inherit of that, te- and of that description is a realistic expectation, a l- high likelihood that you will lose money in these early days. Now, as things um, evolve, as Julie and I think have uh, done a decent job of expressing on our first three podcasts on the series, then it's all going to change. But as until that happens, we're in this time of well, let's just, you know, the, the marketplace is going to pick who the winners and the losers are. But the real winners haven't even entered the fields yet. The big boys haven't even showed up with their virtual for sale signs yet. And they will. That's true. So one thing to watch related to that is high-end fashion for your avatar. But of course, according to Morgan Stanley, the metaverse could help luxury brands expand their total addressable market by over 10% by 2030. Good enough for more than $50 billion in additional revenue. More exciting, the bank says, are profit margins with the potential of 75% of that revenue uh, to hit a profit measure called EBIT or earnings before interest and taxes. So think about it. When a digital item, uh, with a digital item rather, there is no need to buy raw materials, spend money on labor, bother with manufacturing, or ship something around the world. Brands already have a vast archive of collections to pull from and repurpose for the digital realm. Plus, they don't only profit from the first sale. They can collect royalties each time an item is resold. As an NFT. So how does that work? Just a brief explanation. And if I explain this wrong, someone who's an expert, please feel free to correct me. By the way, you're not really an expert because you just learned about this six months ago like the rest of us. So uh, you will go and um, the the best explanation I've heard from locals that live here in Dorado is the big brands are going to have an online metaverse experience that has the option of having a direct relationship with offline. So for example, I was reading a quote from the CEO of the guy who runs the huge holding company, one of which the companies within this holding company was Louis Vuitton. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the name. It's like four letters. I read that too, yeah. Right. And so he was, in essence, and that's where a lot of these quotes were coming from Mm -hmm. as far as where the projected revenue is going to come from. What he was saying, someone's going to be able to put on their avatar, let's say a particular Louis Vuitton, you know, purse or whatever, just pick whatever it is. And then they're also then going and say, let's cost, that's going to cost a certain amount of money. I don't know what it's going to be. I'll just make up a number, 100 bucks. So now your avatar is rocking some sort of, you know, high fashion outfit. But you could also then uh, choose to have that exact same outfit that your, out, that your avatar is wearing delivered to your door. In other words, you're going to be able to shop in online. In the real world. In the real world, right. And, and again, this stuff is all like for people, of the, unless you're of a certain generation, you are now hearing what we're saying and you think this all sounds wackadoo. But remember, and it kind of does, but remember back in the early days of the internet, you felt the same way. We felt the same way. And we were all younger then. And we still were skeptics. Mm-hmm. And we were all wrong for the most part. So as you're hearing all these ideas in this different way, this technology will evolve we're doing our best to make it so that you don't miss the opportunity to at least participate in the um, bemusement as this <laughs> technology evolves. I guess that's really, at the end of the day, the very least we'd hope you're getting from this. <laughs> I know. And I, I kind of, in my own mind, I'm thinking of this almost like intellectual property in a way, because that's something that's, you know, if it's real land, you can touch it and form it and feel it. But it, it, it's almost like, you know how intellectual property, you 
you have something you wrote that you own that you, you know. Didn't even, what you're saying, you don't even know is genius because actually it's a great way of explaining NFTs. I'm trying to figure it out. Well, okay. So <laughs> you know? I was too, and yeah. this is way I just put a couple thoughts together. <laughs> it's so funny we're doing this live on this podcast because normally you and I are so polished. But so if you're listening to us for the first time, like I said, warning, this is an unusual <laughs> series of shows for us. All right. So you are correct. So if you are, for example, if you license out a specific technology, let's say, for example, um, we have a friend named Ben Salem. And Ben has created this technology and he supposedly has it tested and proven that you can put these little covers on your earbuds and it keeps these radio waves from entering into your brain. Or I haven't I only read it a little bit. But evidently, all these little wearable devices that we have put out a certain frequency that with younger kids, some doctors believe, some scientists believe, it can actually be harmful to the development of a, a younger kid's brain, to which I say, well, don't have your kids wear earbuds. But in any event, so he's got, he created this technology. He's got a patent on it. And now he's starting to get picked up. Uh, he told me last time we spoke that it was Costco is going to put it on their website and all these other different companies. I think he said Nordstrom's is also going to have it on their website. Why am I telling you that? Because where he's probably going to go is he's created the technology, he's got the patent. Now, let's say, for example, these little earbud covers are going to cost, I'll make up a number, 20 bucks. He could then get a license agreement with all these different companies. I just mentioned several. And they could then sell all their own uh, private labeled. It could be the Nordstrom's earbud mm -hmm. covers. It could be the Costco earbuds. And every time one of them sold, no matter who's selling it, Ben's going to get a royalty. It could be a dollar. It could be whatever. Whatever's negotiated. That's in essence how an NFT works. It's an oversimplification. But every time a transaction happens going forward, uh, Ben's going to get paid. Now, here's the difference. With an NFT... So you guys got it. So Ben, so one of these retailers sells something, and then when they sell something, Ben gets a little royalty on that. But what's going to happen with digital assets is the digital assets will hypothetically then retain some sort of, again, collectible value. And then when, say, for example, someone buys that virtual reality Louis Vuitton purse, that Louis Vuitton purse then could become a desirable and can become collectible by other people who want their avatars to have that particular person. Maybe Louis Vuitton comes out with a hundred of them that go through the value, all these trend-seeking uh, gals and guys want this particular item. Okay, so you bought it for a hundred bucks. Now, and so Louis Vuitton made hundred bucks on you. And it, normally that's the end of the transaction. But what's now gonna happen is Louis Vuitton made money on you when you bought it. And then if you then sell it, and then that person sells it, and that person sells it, and that person sells it, not only will Louis Vuitton be making money every time it sells, but so will you. And so that's how NFTs work. You're going to be able to get a tiny little percent of every sale of whatever that item is, infinitum. And that's kind of badass if you think about it. And some people are theorizing that we, you know, an uh, NFT could become how real estate is handled. Right now, you sell your particular land, you're off, you get your check, and you walk away. Well, how about if you have a piece of real estate that you buy and then every time forever that uh, piece of real estate changes hands, you then could also get paid. You guys get it? So this is kind of a fascinating uh, technology that will evolve, that will reset how things are valued because they'll be set for their actual market value, but they could also be set for their long range income streams as NFTs. Yes. I did think I, that's going to be- Did I explain it? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really interesting how all this is coming together. And it'll evolve, and probably the discussions that we have even 90 days from now will be different than how we're all digesting it currently. Um, so Julie and I were thinking about coming up in an NFT personally. I don't think we're going to do it, but we were thinking about it. So we've had, we have people from time to time that want to hire Julie and I to shadow us for a day or want to hire us to be their coach for a month or whatever. Well, what if Julie and I were to create an NFT 
that for a month, we're going to be your personal coach and we're going to talk to you every day for 30 days. And that NFT is like, say, valued at $100. Obviously, it would be valued a lot more than that. We'd put the NFT for sale for $100. Then you then will have 30 days of service and you then, and that's it, 30 days of service. But then you could then sell the NFT on the NFT market and then maybe someone's willing to pay you $200 for it and then $300 for it. But you as the owner of that NFT are going to get paid every time it sells. And so will we as the creators of the NFT. You guys get it? So this is this is the hypothetical way that some of this blockchain technology can be made very practical. And it's exciting, I think. Yeah, it's very different. It's, uh, expanding our brains. I can feel it happening. Yeah, well, this is <laughs> right now. But it, it, it's, it's yeah. not easy, though, right? No, it isn't because we're all set in our ways and we understand the rules to be what they are. And that's what makes this interesting and exciting, I think, to uh, watch what happens with it. But think what this does with regards to ownership. I think a very mm -hmm. uh, sound argument can be made right now that there is too much of a disparity between the haves and the have-nots. Agreed. And the inflation that's taking hold now is even going to amplify that mm -hmm. by a ridiculous Already amount. Is. Yep. It, I mean, if it just is, it's really, honestly, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. I feel sorry for young people, honestly. Mm -hmm. I feel sorry for people that don't have assets. I feel sorry for people who see the dream of ownership slipping through their fingers because of what's happening from inflation. And it is inflation. It is an oversupply of dollars. It's not some evil you know, cabal that's trying to basically prevent people from buying homes and just become renters for life. It is something that's more basic. It's the fact that the markets have been flooded with easy access to money through low interest rates and all the rest of it. And all, that is, all those chickens are coming home to roost now. But will this NFT, as you know, will all this technology allow more people to be owners of assets that will, over time, increase their their wealth? And the answer is yes. Sure, and this is a way to do it. It's a democratization. It's really what it's doing. Mm -hmm. It's an opportunity to reshuffle the deck uh, and take the um, – and guys, as you – again, this is all new, but just sort of study – who the people are that are proponents of this type of technology versus the ones that are opponents. And you could pretty much surmise that if someone is going to hypothetically lose from what we're describing, they're probably not going to be big advocates of it. So the existing, you know, tech, the existing uh, paradigm of wealth holders in the world probably are not going to be that enthusiastic about it. And, uh, you know, that includes governments. Okay, now we're way ahead of our skis, right? <laughs> yes. But this stuff is cool, and we're going to keep talking about it, and we have more uh, for you to learn about tomorrow. Now, we do have a couple of homework assignments, and both of them are very easy. Number one is uh, go watch the movie Ready Player One. Mm -hmm. That's something all of you can get. Go watch it on any – I'm sure it's on Netflix. I'm sure it's on Apple TV. But watch Ready Player One. It's a great book that will give you a movie that will give you a great – I listened to it. Um, it was a book first, wasn't it? Yeah, I listened I think to it. it and, yeah. I, and I also – I think we watched it more than once. Mm -hmm. Well, I, you probably do need to watch it more than once. Yeah. It's one of those movies like that. I'm not suggesting that the uh, the movie is like, you know, some sort of incredible It's going to change your life. But it does give you a window into at least what one science fiction author's view was of what the metaverse was to be like. Mm -hmm. And so it's a kind of a cool, quick way to get ramped up on all this – sort of obtuse stuff we've been sharing with you guys. And then I think also on our website, timandjulieharris.com, we're putting some links uh, that we referenced when creating this content for all of you guys. And you should go and start understanding more about this. Now, look, where you, how to make this practical and tactical, we, give you, we gave you some suggestions on how this will start making its way into real estate conversations. And it already is. Um, early days to be sure. Now, what would, you, what would I do if I were you guys with all this? I would just keep it on the back burner and pay attention to it. Don't shut it off. Don't think I don't, you know, even if it offends you in some way, 
Um, don't just completely forget about it because you're going to have probably the younger generation of folks that are going to test the waters with you to see whether or not you're actually breathing the same air as they are with regards to the thoughts about this technology and all this other stuff. So don't make yourself some antiquated artifact um, before your time. <laughs> well, I think that's true. And there's going to be conversations where if your initial reaction is to just scoff at this because you haven't taken the time to research it or because your inner skeptic is ruling your brain, then there will be people that immediately judge you for being antiquated, for being right. outdated, for being, you know, not really part of their tribe, if you will, that are, are not thinking like they're thinking, and they just move on to a different relationship. There's no doubt in the short run, this is going to be very trendy. Everybody and their brother is going to want to talk about Well, I about mean, it. everybody is talking about it, especially this week. And these flare, so what's a trend, right? A trend is something that can last maybe three to five, maybe 10 years even. But, it, you know, think of bell bottoms or think of just mm -hmm. all these different things. But tr just because something's a trend doesn't mean it's something that's uh, that should be ignored. Trends often start out just like this. And then people talk about them. You're going to see a lot of companies popping on. The Super Bowl is coming up. People are going to, you're going to see lots of every single damn commercial, I promise you, is going to be talking about the metaverse that they're developing or find us on Decentraland or whatever it's going to be. How to outfit your avatar. Because they're all doing that just to try to keep up with the zeitgeist of the younger consumer. That's really what's going on here. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be somewhere breathing that same air in order to at least not allow yourself to become um, easily well, outdated. Dated, really. right. I mean, it starts with awareness, I think. It starts with having a healthy curiosity. And, uh, you know, just to make this <laughs> really rewind, Leonardo da Vinci had a principle called curiosità in Italian, which was that part of what made him such a great artist is that he kept his curiosity about all kinds of different things in the world. And he didn't just stick to, if you study him, you'll see that it's not just that he had beautiful drawings. He also could create things in sculpture and architecture and all of these different things because he would at least be curious in the first place. Now, did he pursue every last thing that he was curious about? Probably not, but enough that it enhanced everything that he was working on. So I will leave you with that because I have a kid to pick up. There's no way that we could end the podcast any stronger than that. All right, <laughs> I try. So, so tomorrow we're going to be sharing with you guys some of the, I think, uh, more bizarre ways that this is going to probably evolve. And so it's going to be more fun, yes. right, I think. But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. <laughs> there was only going to be four parts, but now there's going to be five. So listen, guys, if you want to talk to Julie and I about joining us at eXp Realty, please text me directly at 512-758-0206. Again, mo most of you are looking to change brokers. You're looking for a brokerage that's going to be more in alignment with what your future financial goals are. And that's going to be eXp Realty. That's the reason eXp Realty is the largest, fastest growing real estate brokerage. Well, not the largest yet, but certainly the fastest growing brokerage of our generation. And it's not going to slow down. So you're going to see the winners are going to be the biggest winners. There's generally speaking in what's happening in the economy, what's happening in technology, there are no Midland winners. There are they're just the big, big winners, and then there's everybody else. And eXp Realty is clearly going to be the big, big winner. I would not be surprised at all if uh, eXp Realty was the first into the metaverse with what made sense as far as how agents can do business in there and how consumers can then safely uh, transact in there as well. I wouldn't be at all surprised if that happened uh, sooner than later. Mm -hmm. If you guys want to talk with us about joining ESP Realty, we'd love the opportunity to earn the right to be your sponsors. Please text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. In the meantime, guys, sincerely thank you for 
keeping this as the number one listened to daily podcast for real estate agents in at least the United States. It's sincerely our honor and our pleasure. Remember, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. Yes, I know you can click four stars fast as you can five, but click five star. You know you want to and leave us some kind words. And if you're listening to us on YouTube, we're picking up more and more folks on YouTube. Please do subscribe. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.